Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is a unique, curated, wiser conversation in collaboration with the iconic, spiritual, and humanitarian leader Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar and his Art of Living Foundation, which has a presence across 156 countries. We draw on Gurudev's wisdom behind his programs which have helped hundreds of millions around the globe experience stress relief and a state of calm and well-being, and the unsurprising commonalities of ancient traditions. We are joined by two wonderful fellow New Zealanders, Precious Clark of Ngāti Whātua Orake and Francis Valentine of the Tech Futures Lab. This conversation took place with a live online audience of tens of thousands around the world. Sign up at wiserconversations.org to participate live in the future. Faith, that there is a bigger mind, a bigger force, bigger power in nature, which is out there to help you and it is with you. This faith will also take you through it. Hi everyone. Welcome to Wiser Conversations together at home. My name is Derek Handley. I'm an entrepreneur, an investor, a teacher, and a student. Each episode, I sit down live with an amazing thinker, an author, an artist, a religious or spiritual leader. We have a conversation to reflect on our lives and the world around us in these very surreal times. With all the uncertainty, there is no better moment than now to reflect on what matters to us and who we wish to become as we see out this pandemic. Welcome. Obviously, where we are in the world is a very interesting time. Um, there's a lot of trauma, a lot of pain, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, kind of tectonic plates that are shifting underneath us. What, what do you think this shift uh, is, is ushering in? What do you think all this uh, trauma, pain, and uncertainty is maybe telling us, teaching us, or bringing to us? I consider this pandemic nothing short of the world war. You know, after World War II, the world underwent big turbulences. But fortunately, in that time, there was not much uh, communication between the countries. There were no uh, televisions that people would sit in their home and watch. And social media was not there. So somehow there was that cushion of lack of information to people, even though there was a war. But it really hit hard the economy of the world at the time. 
And then now because of social media and we are well connected, we become aware of the magnitude of the pandemic which is really taken the world to a toss. But I would say one thing. Like after the World War II, all those countries which were erased to the ground, they built them, themselves up. They came up very fast. Within a decade's time, they became so prosperous like Germany, Japan, Italy, many other countries. So I should... Uh, think that this pandemic has made people to think about themselves, number one. Think about their priorities. And second is, see how vulnerable is human race. We are so vulnerable. So we must cooperate with each other, not compete. Not one upmanship between the countries, between the politics, political setups, rather care and concern for the entire human race is what this pandemic has taught us. That's where we should head ourselves. And also make use of this as an opportunity to restart, reboot ourselves to a new Absolutely. beginning and make our economy robust. Yes. And I think, Francis, you have views on that in terms of the personal I do. And I think, Gurudev, when we look at New Zealand, we are coming out of the worst of the pandemic. But actually, even from here, we are seeing emotional aftershocks, actually, as people grapple with this change and people are behaving in ways that we haven't seen for a long time. And I wondered if you think off the back of lockdown, there, could there be a rising of a new consciousness as people come back to the collective? Or do you think as they, as they break away from each other? Where do you I, imagine I, it? I agree with you, Francis Valentine. This is what will happen. Uh, you know, after the lockdown, there is new normals now we have to look into. So people will come up with little shock. And sometimes this anxiety may stay on for a little longer time. Uh, by the way, I should congratulate New Zealand for... Uh, really, really handling this COVID situation very well and having totally controlled. It's a pure land with uh, such a pristine nature and you have protected your nature well and, and people are very health consciousness, I suppose, in New Zealand. And the boosting one's immune system has really perhaps has, uh, helped to control this COVID situation very well. But post-COVID, the mental health issue will remain an issue for at least a few months, if not a whole year in the whole world. So we need to keep giving positive, uh, you know, thought process and uh, encourage people to think positive, number one, and to get rid of loneliness and depression or an aggressive tendency I think meditation and yoga would be the best solution. If not, if not, they may have to go for medication, which doesn't really work all the way, all the way through. You know, it may work for some time, but on the long run, it's change in lifestyle, like doing some yoga, 
doing some Tai Chi or meditation. What about the collective spirit of, uh, I guess, precious, you know, New Zealand is a very collective oriented approach to how we got out of uh, COVID and how we responded. Yeah, definitely. And and um, thank you, Guru Dev, for acknowledging the effort of a team of 5 million people here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, who really bandied together because looking after each other became the ultimate priority. Um, I'm extremely proud of not only our government and our community response, but also the response of all of the iwi, the tribes that reside here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, who provided a much-needed safety net for um, our family members who are some of the most um, vulnerable people within our society here in New Zealand. So thank you for acknowledging that and we wish every other country the same fortune that we have. Um, But I'm quite interested in this conversation about new world, new thinking. And when I think about that, I like to remind us that we have ancient wisdom within our indigenous cultures all throughout the world and that ancient wisdom is relevant and it's evidence-based. It's been tried and true over generations and generations. Um, Within our own Māori culture, the indigenous culture of New Zealand, we have this beautiful concept called Māori. And Māori is the life force of all things that are found within this world. So if we think of at the bottom of the ocean, there are grains of sand, and each of those grains of sand have modi, they have life force. On top of those grains of sand is a rock, and that rock has modi, it has a life force. Growing on that rock is seaweed, and that seaweed has modi. Attached to that seaweed is a kina, a sea urchin, chewing away at the seaweed, and that kina has modi. Eating the kina is a snapper fish, and that snapper has modi. The water has modi, and that whole ecosystem has modi. And so modi recognizes and acknowledges the life force in all living things and the interconnectedness and the interdependence of all things that are found in our world. And so in COVID-19 lockdown, what I saw was a revitalization of the modi of our natural environment here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I also saw, as you mentioned, Guru Dev, that things that might not have been on the table to discuss previously are now on the table. And so in thinking about ancient wisdom, indigenous knowledge, and applying that to the modern thinking, I think of this concept of Modi, which values interconnectedness. And how might something like Modi Um, be provide an alternative model for economic um, models like capitalism. And so I'm quite keen to explore that concept with you, Guru Dev. Thank you for that very much, uh, Precious. This, you know, this, what you say as Modi is what in the ancient culture in India is called prana. Prana is the life force which is present everywhere. Actually, we are all floating in an ocean of prana. That the whole creation is in an ocean of prana. And that's what Modi... You know, I find it very, very interesting. The indigenous cultures around the world have some similarities. I've seen the the indigenous uh, groups in Canada, 
in Vancouver, then in Halifax, and in indigenous groups uh, in uh, you know Ontario, Ontario, and also here in India in Arunachal Pradesh. And I can't tell you how similar they are. There is a card that runs through all this indigenous culture throughout the world. I think we must make extra effort to preserve this culture, the language, and then the philosophy. Nature has embedded this wisdom almost in every part of the world. Though we may be saying in different languages, but the one thing is we are all just made up of one thing. The whole world is one family, and the whole world actually is one organism. So that is what we we are heading to. And here, it's most important that values of compassion, belongingness, honoring the diversity. This should be. Uh, rekindled in, in, in the world. I often say life is like a tree where the shoots should be new, flowers are new, but the roots have to be old. So we have to have the combination of both, the modern and the ancient. And New Zealand, you have both. Let me congratulate you once again for keeping up this culture. Thank you. May I ask a supplementary question to flow with that? And it really is, um, with New Zealand being a country that is grappling with its colonial past, like every other country at the moment, we're grappling with racism. Um, And it's a country where the majority and therefore the political power resides with people who are not the indigenous people of this land. So how might we open people's hearts to see the value that exists with Indigenous cultures so that it then allows us to shape and inform a modern world? I think uh, these days with modern education and a broad mindset, people are not so fanatic as they used to be, at least in parts, especially the younger generation. You have to focus on the younger generation. When they are exposed to culture, different cultures, so their minds uh, their minds and hearts open up. It's lack of familiarity with, uh, with different cultures that keep them uh, in closed uh, shells or in small groups. And so for their identity, security, they remain aloof. But when they come out and interact with people of different uh, thinking, ideology, culture, and uh, religion, I think that that is the way we should have more multicultural and multi, uh, you know, religious gatherings where people get to learn about each other. I think the holistic view and the interconnectedness that we want and we want to see in the world is something that's coming out of this time. But... We can also read the papers and the webs, the news, and there is, you know, a lot of friction still and emerging at the time where it seems like, you know, there's a constant stream of negative news and negativity uh, that we can't seem to reverse. And I know one of the things you ask people to do is celebrate, celebrate everything, celebrate 
always. How do you reconcile that when you see such an, an amount of animosity and suffering and pain and with all the racial disruption and, and, and racial pain at the moment in, in the US, which is rippling around the world? How can one carry themselves day to day, seeing and acknowledging that, but, but celebrating at the same time? Sometimes you might look at it and say, well, what's there to celebrate? Yeah, it is really challenging time when the emotions are waging very high. You cannot that time talk about celebration. That time you simply have to control the situation, calm people down. When some people are so excited, that is not the time to even uh, talk about anything else other than calming down and sit, calm down and sit across the table, sort out the differences. You know, prejudice is really uh, uh, is clogging the human race in parts. We must remember that uh, even in this racial uh, injustice, with what happened to uh, George there, but people cutting across, everybody came together. I mean, all different people of different races participated. So we must not uh, put everybody into one box. See, it's not such a big divide. Yes. There is racial divide, but it is limited to a small minority. And that is what people are uh, angry about. And it's correct. For, they are, I mean, it's justified that they have to vent their feelings. Such demonstrations even create more awareness in the society that such things should not happen anymore. So on that front, yes. Some such demonstration indicate we are all human beings and we must, we are not living in the 17th or 18th century. We are in the 21st century. And some people tend to live in the past. So they hold on to the prejudice. But um, I tell you, uh, one thing is we should not be in a victim state of mind. If we are in a victim consciousness, we always find the other to be wrong. We, are, we look for culprits. Even though someone is not a culprit, we impose a culprithood on them because we suffer a victim, number one. On the other side, the prejudice we have against gender, against race, against religion should be done away with. This can only happen with a broadband education and creating awareness among people. And apart from these two, I would say it is the stress factor, the frustration factor in one's life that propels them towards anything that is negative. Well, how do we accelerate the idea that we become more comfortable with impermanence and fluidity and that things change and that we cannot hold on to the things in the past and hold on to attachments? Meditation. Meditation is the answer. When you meditate and your mind comes to the present, you let go of the past and you're not anxious about the future either. Otherwise, you know, the tendency of an adult's mind is we hold on to the past. We are angry about the past and we are anxious about the future. And when mind oscillates between past and future like this, it creates a lot of toxins in the body. It reduces the immune system. 
you know, our, our immunity goes down. And then our perception gets colored. So, you know, then we get into a lot of, I mean, the mind goes through such a muddle, it creates a mess for itself. So, meditation helps us to be in the present, see things with a positive outlook for the future. You are able to let go and let be and move on. Meditation helps us. Do you think that, I mean, you, you must, obviously you believe meditation is a, is a solution or a response to almost anything or almost everything. Um, what other, you know, are the, are the, the greatest benefits of meditation apart from bringing people to the present? Latest scientific discovery shows, you know, meditation improves the gray matter in the brain. It, uh, you know, it also changes the structure of the brain. Amagdala shrinks. You know, amagdala is the central part of the brain which is responsible for a lot of our anxiety, anxiousness, and many of these feelings, emotions, uh, impulsiveness. When amagdala shrinks, we become more stable and there is more clarity in perception. You know, our actions depend on our thought process. And our brain is the machine for our thought process, is an apparatus. So if the brain is uh, prop, if the structure of the brain is changed, then naturally our thoughts will be more intuitive, more innovative, and has a more understanding about how things are, rather than we try to imagine something and overimpose it on something else. Is there a yeah. way that people can find stillness amongst a, a day of motion? So in their own office, in their working life, when they don't necessarily have time to stop completely. Do you know, you can pay attention to your breath. You know, rhythms of the breath is something to do with your emotions, your inner state of mind. Um, you know, when you're in inner state, your mind is very calm and serene. Your breath is also very rhythmic and soft. But if there is some restlessness, agitation, then the rhythm of the breath also is different. It varies. So I would say take a few deep breaths, take a good walk, uh, take a little break. You know, of course, people take break, tea breaks or coffee breaks in between work. At the time, not just coffee or tea, just go out and have deep, fresh air. few times of fresh breath can also stimulate our mind and uh, help us to get rid of any tension that we have. And before the work and after the work, I would recommend everyone to put on the headphones and sit and do a guided meditation. A number of guided meditation out there. I have made also many guided meditation in Art of Living app. I can just put it and you know, 20 minutes, it will rejuvenate our body, mind and spirit. And then you walk back with a smile in spite of very hectic day and uh, had to be very stressed in the office. Still, it doesn't touch you. Yeah. Guru Dev, I read that, uh, that when you were four, you uh, recited the Bhagavad Gita, going back to our conversation about old, old wisdom, new, new world. Uh, can you share anything from the Gita that is most relevant for these 
interesting, strange times? What anecdotes, ideas from it to share with us? Uh, yes, uh, there are many things, you know, I keep sharing. One thing for this interesting time is uh, invoke the valor inside of you. When you think situation is so overpowering, then we must invoke the valor in you. We will be, with this feeling, with this commitment, we will be able to overcome. We will come up in that, you know, invoking the spirit of uh, valor. And then another thing would be faith, knowing that the best will happen. This is a common thing in almost all uh, indigenous cultures, right? Uh, faith that there is a bigger mind, a bigger force, bigger power in nature, which is out there to help you and it is with you. This uh, faith will also take you through it. Third thing is, um, don't be immersed in your own problem. Look around and there are so many people who are in a worse situation than you are. So if we start extending our hand to them, you will suddenly find your problem is much smaller and you will be able to manage it much better. So going out there and helping others who are really in need will also bring you immense uh, relief and a sense of joy. I often say there are two types of joy. One is the joy in getting, which we are all as a children, we have been to having this. You know, every kid has, when you get something, you are happy. But there is another happiness, a mature joy, which comes to you when you give. The, the joy of the grandmother at home, right? You know, when you go home, you know, your grandmother, when Derek grows home, the grandmother prepares some nice dishes, maybe a cake and all that, which you, which you may not do it when she's all alone. So her joy is in feeding Derek, right? So this joy of a grandmother or grandfather is something we can all, uh, you know, emulate at any age. We don't have to become old to experience that joy. But when we start sharing and giving, we do experience that intense, uh, you know, happiness, which cannot match uh, with anything else. Gurudev, in preparation for the honor of this conversation um, today, um, I opened myself up to my ancestors and asked them to be with me present for this conversation. Is connecting to your ancestors something that you do in your practice or do you more connect with the world and the universe? See, the world has many dimensions and we are connected to all the dimensions. And ancestors are one such dimensions and it is good, good to remember them and say our gratitude. Yeah, for them, you know, for many, in many cultures, they are still alive in a different plane though. All three of you are such wonderful work you are doing and keep doing your, uh, you know, your part of the work and then I wish you all the best and may God bless you. Thanks for joining us on Wiser Conversations, Together at Home. 
If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review it today. And if you haven't already, go on and push subscribe. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 